I don't know about you, Thanksgiving happens to be my favorite holiday because Christmas seems to be bombarded with so many hustle and bustles and um, too many gatherings. Thanksgiving, so far, still seems to be a little tamed and family-oriented, although I have seen already before Thanksgiving Christmas decoration and Coast uh, 103 start playing Christmas music already again. It's getting faster and earlier and earlier. But one thing I do not want for myself and my family and our church family as well is that we become just like the current of this world that we are to swim up, up against to become more like Christ. What does it look like? And First of all, I think Psalm 100 is a very important and valuable psalm for, for us, not just this year, but every year. Uh, as I meditate on it, there's so much wisdom. I, one of the plans that we have this morning is to shorten the message time so that we could have time to share what, for what we are uh, thankful for uh, throughout this year. Not only in, in our breakouts, threesome, foursome groups, but we're going to share as a congregation as well. But it, my thought, I think we need to touch base upon this first. There's at least four common distractions of Thanksgiving season. And then <clears throat> the first one is usually the hardest one for me. Food. And more than just the feasting and turkey, but throughout the day, course of the day, it is encouraged to munch on stuff, right? Uh, all kinds of desserts, cookies, pumpkin pies. And to say no is you're, you're a little rude, right? <laughs> so I never... <laughs> Become rude when, when it comes to food. But while feasting with families is such a good thing, and, but we need to remember it's a means to an end, not end at all. And it is concerning even for our kids also too. It, it is, I think the little pet peeve that I have is even the word, like, happy turkey day. It is not Turkey Day. And sometimes, you know, when you choose to refer to a certain day, the secularization happens. Easter, bunny for Easter, Santa Claus for Christmas, and turkey for Thanksgiving. It is a definite distraction. I'm not much of a shopper, not because I'm such a godly man, but I'm really suck at shopping. I, when I go to 
When I go to a shopping mall, I get dizzy and I get headaches. I have to come home. But the recently, things became easier because I get this email that I didn't want it. Once you sign up for something, it's free stuff or something, and then you get some kind of a coupon, advertisement. I got so many emails, although I allocate one email that I do not use for those reasons. But usually, when I get my primary email, one or two, that email box has 10 to 15 of junk mail, spam mail. But there are things that I do not delete right away because I don't have to go to shopping mall. I could look through it because after all, it's a 50% discount. <laughs> Pre-Black Friday discount. And I am privileged because I'm a member, special member only. I get to see. And then really Black Friday is known in our culture as a uh, somewhat shameful, but and yet no shame in greed in that sense. What's happening in Walmart, pictures of people fighting, stumping over and getting hurt is a reality. The, the doors... People wait two, three, four hours earlier than the door opening time. And if you are a certain fan, like, you know, Apple, Apple 8 is coming up, right? And uh, iPhone. Or if you are the new Windows stuff and gadgets and Google stuff and all those things. And it becomes really the self-absorption and discontentment for what we do not have yet. So definitely we need to watch for, watch out for this tendency. And third is very seemingly innocent, but it's just mindless binging on entertainment whether it's Netflix, or whether it's a football, uh, whether it's your favorite uh, drama, and then not only on TV, but your internet, everything is accessible so much 24-7. And it's supposed to be holiday, but our mind becomes like zombie. It's not that we could care less about other things, or spiritual things, things that matter most, but we put into sleepy, spiritually sleepy mode. And for our kids, have you seen their eyes after they are allowed to play video game for six hours straight? They really look like zombies. They can't focus. But lastly, this is something that we have as a default mode. The fallen heart do not remember the things that God has done. And I call it a spiritual amnesia. Maybe God restored your marriage early this year. Maybe God has uh, made a provision that you are so thankful for financially, you had a breakthrough. Maybe you're praying for your kids. 
and the problem has been solved. But all of a sudden, as if 10 years ago, something like that happened, our memory is blur. It's only six months ago. It's only eight months ago, nine months ago. You're desperate on your knees, praying for your mom or your dad. And God answered. And even for my brother, um, I forget to share it because of some spiritual amnesia. Last time I visited my brother's uh, family, my sister-in-law insisted that I share their gratitude and thanksgiving to the rest of you. Because my brother, it's irreversible, irreversible when it comes to speech, speech impediment and the brain, um, some of malfunction in, in his right side. But he's, he's, she said, my brother has been increasingly more able to read. He's been an avid lead, reader. But ever since that uh, brain infection, he couldn't concentrate. So he is now reading more, able to focus more, in other words. So thankful for that. But I forget. I, I heard that a couple of months ago, I keep forgetting to share that. How about this morning? My call this morning is not something that religious, religious, religiously we become so ritualistic. We have to do certain things. No. My call is for vigilance. That unless we do not choose not to be on spiritual autopilot, we will become zombie. We will become self-absorbed, we will reveal the symptoms of spiritual amnesia. And Psalm 100 is a cure for us. There are at least four wisdoms, keys to giving thanks, especially in this Thanksgiving season. Here is the first one. Oh, before we do that, let's read the whole psalm. It, since it's only five verses, I, I might as well a couple of things about this psalm. Um, there are so many commands, especially in Psalms, right? The Book of Psalter, but this is the only psalm has an inscription of this title, a psalm. For giving thanks. Not season in mind of thanksgiving, but the act of thanksgiving. Psalm for giving thanks. Why? Because this happens to be the song was the ending of their feast, harvest of Israelites. Each year Hebrews gather together and wrap up with this song. The Reformed churches in the, in the, uh, throughout the church history called this church the Old Hundredth. Why? Because this, was, uh, this lyric has been sung in doxology melody. 
And this psalm happens to be one of several spiritual giants' favorite. Yet it is so simple. And starting with verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. One more thing. Notice that the, the, the word Lord is all capitalized, which symbolized this is the word for Yahweh. I am that I am. But the Hebrews, out of respect, uh, replaced the Yahweh. And in some Asian, Asian countries, even my uh, family tradition, you don't say your, fa- your father's name, first name, right away. There is a certain respectable way of saying it. You don't call it as if John or Steve or Mark like that. And the Hebrews had such a deep respect and replaced Yahweh with Elohim, the word, the Lord or God. And there is a word for Lord, which is capital L and O, regular O R D. And when you see that, it is actually a different word than this all capital Lord. So this, the word Lord is covenantal God, God of Israel, God who called Abraham to make them his people, to to change Jacob's name to Israel. And the 12 tribes became a chosen people of God. And how does that relevant? Is it relevant to us? We are chosen through blood of Jesus, by his grace and faith and faith alone in Christ and Christ alone. We are his people. All those who are saved in Christ, even the Old Testament saints were saved through the blood, shed blood, which means the atoning death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ for our sins. So, Having said that, here's the first key. Key number one to giving thanksgiving, giving thanks in this Thanksgiving season. In giving thanks, we are to acknowledge God to whom we give thanks. And this is really obvious point, yet often overlooked point. And this distinguishes Christian gratitude and thanksgiving from unbelievers. You know, positive thinking, uh, mental attitude, or the people who are New Age movement, 
all encouraged to give thanks and to, to have thankful heart. Think about one thing that you're thankful for every day that will be good for your mental health. And you become a positive person. People will like you, ha having you around because of your positive spirit. I'm not denying that's good. But I'm talking about the obvious point in Christian faith is that we thank to the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord. Notice verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Verse 4, give thanks to Him, to Yahweh, to bless Him. So when we even share in our Thanksgiving table, I think we should be more precise to model that to our kids. Instead of just, I'm thankful, I'm feeling, I'm feeling all this gratitude. Rather than that, I thank God for this year. Or I'm thankful to the Lord. I give thanks to God for this. See, ultimately, he is the focus. So otherwise, our focus during Thanksgiving will be on things. I, I'm thankful for iPhone 8. I'm thankful for new uh, TV, new notebook. I'm thankful for a bonus that I have for my company. I'm thankful for this and that. In so doing, we forget the giver of good gifts. Well, actually, the real, monumental, foundational, eternal, when we begin to think, think about that reason for thanksgiving, endless, isn't it? God himself is a reason for thanks, thanksgiving. So for this reason, we can, we ought, and we can give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances. Not only good, but also in bad situations. Because ultimately, what doesn't change it's God. God who loved us and called us and redeemed us, sent his son on the cross for us, and he gave us eternal hope. So whether you are in perfect health, whether you are concerned about your health, or your loved one has cancer, or your loved one has a speech impediment, we can give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Number two, in giving thanks, we are to act our way into thankfulness by faith rather than waiting to be thankful, waiting to feel thankful. 
oh, this is a good, so good that I had to chew on it over and over. And notice this psalm, this short five-verse psalm has a seven mandates, seven specific commands. Number one, verse one, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Not only Israelites, but even the Gentiles. Everywhere. Serve the Lord with gladness in verse 2. Come into his presence with singing. Another one in verse 2. Know the Lord. He is God. Verse 3. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Verse 4. Give thanks to him. Verse 4. And bless his name. Verse 4. This is not uh, when your best convenient time do these seven things. Now there is a sense of explosive urgency. And NIV, other versions might have, and if you look at your, your Bible, if you have NIV, it will first shot for joy. Same, same thing. You could translate it in two different ways. I love this ESV, a more literal translation in that. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Right now. But I don't feel joyful. Postmodern generation like us say, I'm waiting to feel, I'm too, trying to be genuine with my feelings. And the question that I think we need to ask is this Will you submit to the sovereign Lord, who is the wisest being in the whole universe, or will you submit to your feelings, which it changed day and night? What is trustworthy? And we need to be very cautious and vigilant about our tendency of this culture to truthfulness is not to the feelings. Truthfulness is what you believe as eternally true. For example, even though I love food and eating, and every meal is a delight for me. But there are times that I don't really feel particularly thankful sitting in front of a meal. Maybe my stomach is grumbling. I, I don't know. Maybe I ate lunch too late and at the dinner table. I don't feel thankful. Is it truth? More truthful, more faithful for me to say, I'm not going to pray because I really don't feel thankful. It will be hypocritical for me to say, thank you, Lord. That will be as if my wife can say to me in the morning, you snored too much last night, I don't feel any love for you. I feel annoyance for you. <laughs> Do you remember that Jerry Maguire movie? The stupidity of being brutally honest with each other and that 
they, they broke up. I, I, Jerry Maguire has a lot of spiritual truth in that movie. <laughs> These seven commands are good for us, for us to act. And as we act by faith, God fills our heart with gratitude. The feelings of thankfulness. But even some of the commands, it's not like a no that the Lord, okay, I'm going to read scripture and acknowledge that Lord Yahweh is God, one and only God, one and only true God. But I don't feel joyful. I, do I need to make a joyful noise? The Bible commands yes. Sing with gladness. Serve, serve with gladness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. I, I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase on this one. He paraphrased that first beginning of verse 4 this way. Enter with a password. Thank you. The gates and courts is, do you remember the Exodus study? The temple courts. The, the locality in Old Testament, physically, it was important. Coming into God. You, unless you properly approach the throne, I mean, through the gates and through the courts, You'll die. And that, so, but and yet, what, what, it, what it really implies for all of us, even the New Testament believers, it represents the presence of God. And the course, people gather together. Congregation of God. When we walk into it, in our, although this is nothing different and nothing more, sacred and holier than other buildings, but we gather as a congregation, we come in Sunday morning with that kind of thanksgiving, act of giving thanks, and with singing and gladness. That's what God desires. The truth is, even my memory, as I recollect, when I obey those commands, my mood is changed. And this is one of the reasons why I think even the New Age people encourage people to give thanks. Think about one thing thankful for. All of a sudden, it changes your mood. All the more, as a believers, when we give thanks and act by faith, those feelings of thankfulness will come. God fills our, our hearts with that. Number three, before that, on that C.S. Lewis's uh, writing came to my mind. Very poignant. C.S. Lewis, uh, as a cynic and agnostic when he became a Christian, one thing that he had a lot of problem with was this praise. Maybe he was not a singer. 
He just didn't like it. But he came to this realization. He writes this in the reflection of Psalms. And C.S. Lewis writes, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not our not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author, not to be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur, And then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. To hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. The Scotch Catechism says that man's chief end is glorify God and enjoy him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. Fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that thought-provoking? The same thing that Psalm 100 is challenging us and calling us to do is that C.S. Lewis is saying when we praise God we will be able to feel the fullness and completion of joy, of God's glory. And it becomes eclipse. God's glory becomes our most satisfied joy. Number three, in giving thanks, we are to realize the importance of how we worship and how we give thanks. Namely, joyfully, gladly, and willingly, and with singing. Verse one, two, three, two, and four has these hows. And I'll be the first one to admit, as your pastor, I feel convicted. Throughout the week, as I meditate on it, I felt convicted. Because um, the picture that I get from this psalm is that people cannot wait until get to Sunday worship. As the people walk in, there's a joy, deliberate joy, act of faith joy, not feeling just happy and joyful because of circumstances. Because we get to worship God. And the spirit is lighthearted. Gladness is there. And our, our worship philosophy is two words, summarizing two words. Gladness and gravity. Gravity of God's holiness. Gravity of our privilege before God. 
Obviously, this is holy moment. But gladness because he is our Abba. He calls us and he redeems us. He has redeemed us. And we could run into his room with shouts of joy. And make some joyful noises. And we have some people in our congregation. And when you see them beginning to worship and praise, oh, you could see the joy in their face. It has nothing to do with the charismatic style, a raising hand, anything like that. But I admit and acknowledge that I didn't lead well. Because my mood is usually pessimistically realistic or idealistically pessimistic. I want to prepare myself for the worst. Usually that's my heart mode. That's not trusting. Worship is to God, and thanksgiving is to God, and therefore it must be God-centered, not man-centered. We talk about preference, even style of music or style of preacher. Do we really care about what God likes? It must be God-centered, not man-centered. means that God wants our worship not just a mere drudgery duty, but dutiful joy. Do you have a friend who's like very different from you, but you appreciate so much? I have a friend like that, and I, I grew up in tradition that scripture and studying of the word and meditation of the word is so important centralizing that. I'm deeply grateful for that reformative tradition. But I have a friend in, back in Dallas, Texas. His name is Tom Wilkins. This brother loved the way that I led Bible study in the group. But later on, in hindsight, I realized how mature he was, how childlike he was. Every time when he sees something that I share, he just burst into praise. And he's a charismatic brother. It's a very different tradition. And for the first time, I, invite, I took the invitation and went to his church. The praise itself is more than an hour, probably an hour and a half. Nothing slow song or any moody song, anything like that. I saw a burst of joy everywhere. He brought his tambourine. At first, it's, 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 I felt like it's a little weird, the gypsy gathering or something. <laughs> but I saw people just being free to joyfully shout to God and singing. Within 20 minutes, I had those freedom. I was doing jumping up and down and raising my hand. All the reformed people don't do And I still remember that we need to learn that spirit. And I'm not saying that we change externally something. But would you pray and obey when you gather together next Sunday 
bring those heart and obediences, and I will. And I'll be the first person who's sitting in and waiting instead of wrapping up my PowerPoint stuff, anything like that. And as I mentioned, walking into the gates, presence of God, the password is thank you. J.I. Pecker reminds us into the same direction. He writes, we need to discover all over again that worship is natural to the Christian as it was to the godly Israelites who wrote the Psalms and that the habit of celebrating the greatness and graciousness of God yields an endless flow of thankfulness, joy, and zeal. And I pray that your family will be impacted by your obedience, your way of giving thanks. Whether you are a quiet, introverted person, whether you are emotionally expressive person, that our family members, especially unbelievers, will notice unusual joy and gladness in our spirit as we gather. I close with this one. The last key is in giving thanks, we are to reflect on foundational reasons for our worship and thanksgiving. And I call it a double-decker reason. If you notice, verse 1 and 2 is commands. And then he gives us, in verse 3, reasons. Know that the Lord, he is God, and more. And Another command, enter, in, into, enter the, his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to the Lord. Bless his name. Verse 4. But verse 5, for he is good. Another reason. So it goes like this. Verse 3, the first reason is that know that the Lord, he is God. He, it is He who made us, and, not, and, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Verse 5, For the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His thankfulness to all generations. Is it wrong to, to thank God for materialistic blessing? Not at all. Is it wrong to praise God for his answer for healing? Not at all. We should. We ought to. Psalm 103 makes it very clear. Forget none of his benefits. But the, by foundational reasons I'm in, verse 3 points out who the Lord is. First of all, Yahweh, he is God, one and only true God. And he is a creator. He made you. See, ultimately, that itself is a good enough reason for our thanksgiving. But there's more. He said, he's, we are his people, sheep of his pastures. There is, we are his people. What does that mean? There is a covenant 
of love. That is, God made promise to stay in loving relationship with us for the rest of eternity. And verse 5, another foundational reason is how the Lord is. That God the Creator, God the Covenant Yahweh, He is good. And not only He is good, His covenant love, steadfast love, hesed, in Hebrew word, is more than just a faithful love. It's the con- consummated the holistic love that never changes for us. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. So what are we to do? Obey the command and get some reasons. Get motivated. And obey the command and go back to reasons. Get motivated. Fueled again 